Welcome to This Osteopathic Life. This is Dr. Amelia Beakey. I'm honored to share with you the philosophy that has underscored my personal and professional life and explore how osteopathy truly is for the health of all things. I see these principles in action every day in my varied roles as physician, parent, athlete, writer, musician, coach, and entrepreneur, and hope they will light the way for the path to your best health. Please note that while I am a physician, this podcast is intended to share general information and encourage discussion about medicine, health, and related subjects. The content provided in this podcast and in any linked materials is not intended and should not be construed as medical advice. Thank you for joining me for episode one of season three of This Osteopathic Life. It's hard to believe we've come through two complete years, 40 episodes in the first season, 44 solo episodes and 22 conversations in the second season with a special all-music episode as well. And I was thinking about the birthday of this podcast, which coincides with my own. And I just celebrated my 40th birthday on Monday, the 1st of February. And for ourselves, right, we're zero when we're born. And then our first birthday comes that year later. But we started season one on you know, day one or day zero, however you might think of it, of the podcast. So here we are in season three, which admittedly gives me some solace because having 40 as my number. I'm not a super fan of even numbers. And so having this season three soothes that transition a bit, leaving the decade of the 30s. And I have all kinds of thoughts around that. But as I have been contemplating and reflecting and sharing with others, simply embracing right where I am at this moment with a lot of gratitude for all that's transpired and all that I have available and accessible to me. And this podcast being one of those things for which I am most grateful. And especially this past year, the evolution of adding the conversations and the opportunity to speak with 21 different physicians and have a repeat conversation with one of my dearest friends and colleagues really has been so fantastic. And it's also been the year that I have found myself as a guest on other podcasts. And as we do open up those doors, we've seen that right in specific previous episodes the opportunities emerge in such beautiful and brilliant reflective ways. You may have noticed that the intro music was different this episode, and it will be for this season and going forward. And I want to take a moment to thank Rachel Palin, who was the original musician for seasons one and two, playing a wide variety of music, original pieces, sharing her brilliance on the piano as a musician and as a composer. And I'm so grateful for the opportunity. And please do check out the special episode in season two that highlights all of the pieces that she composed for this osteopathic life. The piece that you heard at the start of this podcast, and you'll hear the conclusion of it as we move to the outro, was composed on the 1st of February, on the birthday of this Osteopathic Life podcast by Audrey Mason, a singer and songwriter, amazing musician, and it was also her birthday. So we had this trifecta of birthdays. And so we together worked to layer in the melodies and instrumentation against her original riff on the guitar. And it's such a beautiful, beautiful composition. And so the musicians featured were Audrey on guitar, Claire Potkeeter, who is my daughter. She was on piano and I played cello and it was a nice way to share the melody and 
the background music there. So big thanks and gratitude in the pieces called Birthday Melody. And so here we are in season three, in episode one. And I looked at a lot of different ways I might approach this opening moment of this new season. As I gaze outside right now, it's the 3rd of February, and it is unusually sunny and blue-skied with really not even a hint of clouds available. It is minimally snowy, and this part of the country, although many other parts, have received significant snowfall, and theoretically, we have a pending snowstorm tomorrow evening. And the sun does make such a difference. And I've shared with you in the past the idea around seasonal affective disorder and the grayness and how they can impact moods. And really for me, I haven't felt significantly impacted by it, perhaps somewhat because this is where I have grown up and gray skies throughout the winter and an extended prolonged winter being the norm kind of just was what it was. But what I will say is when the sun does emerge, I definitely embrace those moments. And today for my outside workout, I had to or chose to wear sunglasses, which was such a fantastic moment right? to think sunglasses have their space in Northwest Michigan in the middle of winter. It also happens to be National Women Physicians Day. And this is year five. So it was founded in 2016 by Dr. Hollis Sabri, who is also the founder of Physician Moms Group and commemorates women in medicine. And this is Elizabeth Blackwell's birthday. So this week is full of amazing Aquarian women. And I'm going to offer that to myself, to Audrey, to Dr. Blackwell, and to all who might be having a birthday this month as we move into the age of Aquarius, noticing what it means to be a woman in medicine in this moment. And what I'll say is that 2020 has been a season, a year of meeting so many amazing women in medicine. And I've had the great opportunity to know, to learn from, to teach, to practice with women in medicine throughout my experience dating back to 2002 when I began my own medical education career. And so it has always been clear to me the amazingness and the significant contribution of women to medicine. And just like being an osteopathic physician, though the minority overall, because that has been my training and practice, I am surrounded by amazing osteopathic physicians and a high concentration of them. And so to think that it's not the norm takes some awareness. And that's an interesting experience that I've seen come through you know, in multiple parts of my life. And so recognizing when you might be in the minority and what it can feel like to know that you have so many amazing examples and the power of that, and also to know the challenges when you don't. And what I have noticed, though I have been surrounded by amazing women in the practice of medicine and even in leadership roles, that specific category is fewer and farther between. And so as we see the baseline, the foundation of women in medicine at the medical education level is changing significantly. And we are over 50% of enrollment in medical students as female. But as we move through the years of training and into certain specialties and into ascension through leadership ranks, those numbers dwindle significantly. 
And so this past year, what I was getting to and took a slight tangent, but actually quite related. So let's just say we're spiraling back now is the opportunity to meet more and more and more women physicians in leadership spaces and in the practice of medicine, but more so really to see those role models who are still blazing trail, who are stepping into roles that have never before been held by women or by women DOs particularly. And one whom I've had the pleasure of meeting once in person immediately prior to all travel closing for the pandemic and again virtually through the powerful connections that exist in the new ways in which we have available to us to interact, Dr. Karen Nichols. And she is an osteopathic physician who has held so many leadership roles in the osteopathic profession and is now chair of the ACGME, which is the governing body, the accrediting body for all postgraduate medical education. And we've talked about this concept repeatedly in the first two seasons of this Osteopathic Life podcast, noticing that we are now fully emerged, immersed in the single accreditation system. So all postgraduate training, so all students who graduate from colleges of medicine, be they allopathic or osteopathic in the United States, now go into residency training. So the training to bring them into whatever specialty they're choosing. So your family medicine physicians, your obstetricians, your surgeons, your ophthalmologists, all of that is now under one umbrella. And Dr. Nichols is the chair of that. And for the first time, is an osteopathic physician holding that position. And let me share with you the power of seeing that, of knowing it to be possible, and how it immediately removes this layer of limitation and steps into the space of, oh, that's possible. And you see yourself there. And I could see that for me, and not necessarily that specific role, but just that idea right, of stepping into a space and taking up space in a positive way, not in an obstructive or all-consuming way, but in a way that actually brings energy to the situation. And so seeing that possibility then says to me, okay, right, well, what are some other spaces that haven't been navigated or occupied by women, by women physicians? And what is the opportunity there, be that for me or for those with whom I work and with whom I train and with whom I teach, how can I help to make that space for them, with them, pave the pathway, open the door, boost them up, right? So just seeing that role model is so powerful. In this past year, I've seen that over and over and over again. You know, positions held, awards given, new ideas developed. Women physicians are doing amazing, amazing things, and still at a cost, still with discrepancies in pay, still being told that certain experiences that they have had don't actually exist, and it's too sensitive, or they just need to shift and adapt to the culture around them to be passed over for promotions because they are mothers, and to have that be seen as a favor, right? To say, well, we wanted to be considerate of your time and really just didn't want to take that up for you. And interesting, I've had that happen to me multiple times. And also sometimes even in social and personal situations where people notice right, you might be busy, you might have different responsibilities, you may be a parent, maybe professionally, and they make the decision for you. 
as if they're doing you a favor, you know, not to invite you or to include you in that space. And remembering, and this is a lesson for myself as well, to extend the offer to the person, right? So if you genuinely feel this person would be qualified for a position or super helpful in a particular role or really well aligned with this task that needs to be done, rather than deciding in advance for them and creating this boundary, and we could talk about boundaries as great options, to actually bring it to them and perhaps voice your concern or what you're referencing. I think you'd be great for this. I hold you to no obligation. I fully respect whatever boundaries you may have and allow the person to decide. And how many times have we done that? And I can think of that as well in minor infractions, right? Making an assumption, thinking we're doing someone a favor. And instead, what it can be like to open up an actual meaningful dialogue to say, hey, there's this opportunity. I know your skill set and your experience are super well aligned for this. I also know you're quite busy. So let's just talk about it and see if it would work for you. And one of my favorite phrases is opportunity without obligation. And that can sometimes feel a little bit uncertain, maybe wishy-washy, but I actually appreciate the space there, the invitation to step in and to decide for oneself if it's the right choice and to know that you are welcome to both accept or to decline whatever that invitation might be. And I'm curious how our interactions might shift if we were to behave in that way instead of preempting the exclusion of the decision-making ahead of time and not allowing the person to advocate for themselves. So let me talk to you about my experience for multiple reasons. This milestone birthday, this coming around to the new season of the podcast and making these updates, both in the music and actually in the imagery, working to update you know, the, the photography and the media around the title of the podcast. And then around this idea of National Women Physicians Day and also coming around to the year mark of the pandemic. And we're not quite there yet as far as closures. And like I said, my last travel to meet Dr. Nichols was in March, from March 9th, 2020. And so we're almost to the year. And what happened one week after that travel was the closure of my clinical practice secondary to a PPE preservation order. And it was an interesting moment because I recall very clearly getting the directives from the governor, you know, interpreting what was being said, making decisions, calling patients. And we didn't know, of course, right? Was it going to be a week, two weeks, two months, two years? And it was very clear that that was the right decision at that time. And I also remember the last time I walked out of the office and I had this thought, I didn't say it out loud, but I had this thought, I'm not going back. And in previous episodes, we talked about that, both literal and allegorical interpretations. And if you haven't listened to Harry Potter and the Sacred Text podcast, highly recommend it. Can't recommend it high enough. And it's in, I think, season four, perhaps now. I've gone back to the beginning, so I'm now in book two uh, of the series. And love it, love it, love it. But they go through Lectio Divina and they read the text through these different interpretations. And so as I think about that statement that occurred in my head, First, literal, right? It might mean not going back into that building. You know, that might be 
the piece allegorical, I think not going back to the way things were. And that could be very specific within the practice. And this has come to fruition in a lot of ways or not going back, right? If you think about moving into the pandemic and how much things have changed, what does it mean in my own life? And I think that's where that shift to say, I'm not going back. And that there's going to be a new way of being, of doing, of practicing, not only medicine, but life and how that's going to be and look. And that moment was very clear. And as we come to the one-year mark, there is this idea, this anniversary of pain phenomenon that I'll see with patients, where if they had an injury or even a loss, if they didn't significantly experience the injury directly, had a significant loss, a year from that, the anniversary of that can bring up a lot of symptoms. It can bring up pain. It can bring up illness. It can bring up emotional distress. And so when we see a patient who might have a sudden flare of symptoms without any real obvious inciting event, you know, no recent injury, slip and fall, illness, we'll delve into the history and see, well, what else happened? Like what significance does this date or this season have for you? And I can feel that coming around, right? I can feel that coming through and saying, it's almost been a year, right? Since I have been in traditional, typical clinical practice, the way I have known and trained and operated for the past nearly 15 years. And what does it mean to not be in that space anymore, or at least right now, temporarily or otherwise, and deciding, you know, to stay out of that space still. And it is a continuous decision. So oftentimes we might think, right, we've made a decision and we're stuck with it. We made a decision, we have to keep it this way. But we have the opportunity every day and even every moment to continue to re-decide. And it is absolutely the right thing. And I say this with all the love in my heart for patients whom I've seen in person and with whom I have engaged and utilized hands-on treatment. And I know the value and the merit of that. And right now I have the opportunity to be teaching third and fourth year osteopathic medical students on the application of hands-on treatment and again demonstrating the power of that and the opportunity we have to serve and support our patients in a unique and beneficial way. And absolutely, that will continue to be part of what I see and do and know and teach and perhaps practice. Now, I do hands-on treat my children, my family members, and some of those who are closer to me. But that traditional clinical practice is not where I am at the moment. And I say that not to hedge bets or to be indecisive, but it is where I am not in the moment. And that's all I can know right now. And just like I knew in that moment I wasn't going back, right, that I just know right now that I'm not in that clinical space. And it took some time to process that. And it comes up in different ways. You know, different waves of emotion that surround that idea and what feels right, what feels acceptable, what feels aligned with being a physician and practicing medicine effectively. And what I can confidently say is that I see the way in which I have available to me to be for the health of all things. And it is beyond the way in which I practice medicine clinically. And again, very clear, and this is for me more than you, but for you as well, the listener, absolutely support the practice of medicine in its traditional formats. Absolutely. And 
right? The power of and. See the frontiers and see the room for expansion. And if you did listen to the most recent conversation, the part two with Dr. Jess Bell, knowing as well that the in-person hands-on isn't the only way. And that can seem really challenging within a profession where hands-on has been the key differentiator and the key value marker over the last 100 or so years. But I'd like to offer that it is a value marker, right? It is a component and, right? It is not the sum total of all that osteopathic medicine can be. And there's actually room for growth, expansiveness, broader reach, greater influence throughout the practice of medicine on the whole for so many reasons. The single accreditation system being one, the pandemic being one, the movement to telemedicine being one, the remembering of the original inquiry for osteopathic medicine to say, why is it not going so well? And what more could we offer here? And being able to answer that with connection and with listening and with energetic engagement and with the training of having listened with our hands and acknowledged the important relationship of the body, the mind, and the spirit, noticing that the body is a significant messenger, and then honing in on new ways to listen and to be effective in integrating the information that is provided to us. And what I see in this is I have moved into the coaching space, which to me, again, is an iteration of osteopathic medicine in a practical manner. Right? These are tangible tools to bring these principles to the ground level and be able to actively implement them for better health of the person personally, professionally, publicly, the relationships they have around them, and of the actual practice of medicine itself. And I've been saying this, or we've talked about it throughout the seasons of the podcast, and our mission to lead a revolution grounded in love and humanity, that the osteopathic principles have a role, right? They are part of the reform of these systems all around us. And we're seeing right now this grand opportunity. We talked about the grand pause in a previous episode to take the moment that has been gifted to us. And I am going to use that word and shape things differently to be ever curious, to offer new solutions and suggestions and not get caught up in how things were and trying to recreate them because they were not working. And that's to say nothing ever worked and we have to reform it all. But there was a lot of dysfunction. And if we're still agreeing to utilize that nomenclature, be that in the physical body and looking at somatic dysfunction or in the world around us and noticing when things are just not working well together, right? When systems are not effective, they're not equitable, they're not sustainable. This is the moment to say we were called to be supporters of the health, right? And from my opinion, of all things, and here's how we're going to do that. And how we're going to do that is through more intentional interaction, is through awareness of influence of body on mind and vice versa, is through the acknowledgement of spirit in the power that is held within there and the information that is granted to us to see what the effects are on and of the spirit and how we can utilize that to nurture health. 
And what I'm noticing is that this is a largely, at least majority, women-led movement. And it may be the circles in which I run, you know, that I happen to be in women physician spaces. But for better, for worse, and I'm going to go with for better, it is women who are taking the lead on making these shifts. And I think that is the best news. And absolutely, I'm biased. And at the same time, I have looked at a lot of objective data. I've read, and I don't discount the role that men have in this space, but I do think there is this shift from leadership to allyship. And when we move into that and we rebalance and integrate accordingly, the capacity we have to make significant, I I would even say monumental change is enhanced. And so this is National Women Physicians Day, and actually September was National Women Physicians Month, and I went through and I made acknowledgments, three women each day, you know, so I made it through 90 women physicians that I know directly. And so just think about the vast numbers that exist beyond that. But on this day today, on this sunshiny day in Northwest Michigan in February in the year 2021, this one feels different than those prior. It feels like the potency, and that's a word we use in osteopathic treatment, feels like the potency is greater. It feels like the inertia has been overcome. It feels like we are in this space of alignment, and from there, acceleration is happening. And I just spoke on this in my course for physicians with this osteopathic life yesterday. And the idea of acceleration and that it simply requires us to change speed or direction. It doesn't require us to get faster or to keep going where we have always been headed, but just to change speed and direction. And in this time, we'll notice there's been a lot of slowing down. And there's actually been a lot of lateralization. And there has been a lot of almost reversing and not necessarily a loss of progress but actually a going back and remembering. And I love still the visual of a spiral to manage our relationship with time and experience. And to notice now that when we circle back around and the questions come up about how we're seeing patients and what the systems might be, what our motivation is, we get to slow down and re-decide and re-engage in a, in a more thoughtful and functional way. And we might get to change directions and say, whoa, medicine has been headed on this trajectory. And actually, that doesn't seem to be so helpful. And we can actually, because we've had some of these pauses, change maybe just one degree and begin to head in the direction that is going to be more sustainable and functional for all of us. And so as we step into this new year, new year of 2021, new year for me, new season for the podcast, this new celebration of National Women Physicians Day. Let's take a moment and notice what it is like when we welcome women to lead, right? That opportunity without obligation, but without obstruction or oppression or assumption, right? And instead, this open space where women who are interested and who are qualified and who are capable have full opportunity 
to step into these roles and to take up leadership and to offer new perspectives and to initiate and engage in reform from a space of nurturing that we haven't seen in other methods of practice in leadership. And for me, I'm just so grateful that we are here now and that this is happening today. And then on a much larger scale, because I know, like I said, even though I am in it, and so then I more naturally see other women physicians, other women physician leaders, other osteopathic women physician leaders in new spaces, I also know that it's happening in other places that I'm not seeing it. And I also know that it's not happening in spaces where it's very much needed. And so to take up the task of engaging, of welcoming, of energizing, of encouraging, of evolving, of enduring with and for women in medicine, and particularly for me, osteopathic women in medicine, is such a fantastic opportunity and invitation. And so that's where I stand, and that's where we launch in season three, in this opening episode. And there are so many amazing places we will go throughout the course of this year. Stay tuned for conversations. They will be back in the second week. Stay tuned as well for the grand edition of panel episodes. And we'll get multiple perspectives in single episodes on key topics. And if there is an area of interest for you, send it to me, thisosteopathiclife at gmail.com, and we will answer your questions, and we will bring forward key concepts and concerns and see how application of osteopathic tenets can be beneficial. I'll play for you now the outro. You're hearing these first notes come through, and I hope you'll enjoy that piece. Again, big thanks to Audrey Mason and Claire Potgeter for your beautiful contribution. Thank you to all of you for being with me these opening seasons. I'm excited to see where season three unfolds and I welcome you back for upcoming episodes. Do visit thisosteopathiclife.com, rate and review this podcast, share it with others so we can continue to expand the osteopathic concepts and truly be for the health of all things. This is Dr. Millie Beaky with This Osteopathic Life. Thank you for listening.